0: Welcome to the Doctority Plastic Surgery Podcast. My name is Jenna, and in this series, I'll be speaking to plastic surgery residents and giving you an inside look at what it's like to train at their institution. We'll discuss the logistics, the leadership, and the lifestyle of a plastics resident at their program. Today, I'm speaking with Dr. Samir Massand, who's a fourth-year resident at Penn State Hershey Medical Center in Hershey, Pennsylvania. Samir is originally from Long Island, New York, He completed college at Lehigh University and medical school at Drexel University. His academic interests include microsurgery, breast reconstruction, and complex reconstruction. Samir, welcome to the podcast.
1: Thanks for having me. It's nice to be here.
0: Great. So I'd love to start by hearing kind of a broad overview about your program at Penn State.
1: Sure. Well, I'm so now three and a half, almost four years in, so um, I have a good perspective on it, and so far, so good. I know that's kind of short and sweet, but, you know, we'll go through each detail based on uh, all your questions. So far, so good.
0: So I'd love to hear about the plastics experience you get over the first three years.
1: Intern year, we do two months. Second year, we do three months. And third year, we do three months. And out of those, the second year, with one of those three months is a dedicated skin oncology month. And third year, one of those three months is a dedicated hand surgery month. That Skin Oncology Month is actually really cool. It's sort of like an apprentice model with one of our attendings who does almost entirely skin oncology. And so that's that's an interesting month. It's different from how we do the rest of our training. That's a nice month that I wanted to point out.
0: What's the experience like as a resident when you're on some of the non-plastics rotations?
1: It's actually really great. You know, I think that there's a trend for programs and, and people to advertise how much plastic surgery they do the first year's. And I remember myself as a medical student, I I sought out programs that had more plastic surgery because, you know, everyone wants to come in and do 12 months of plastic surgery their intern year, which, you know, I totally understand. And that's how I was looking back. I think that it's a very valuable experience to do a lot of the non-plastic surgery rotations. So out of those, I guess it's almost 24, 30 months, whatever it is that you're not on plastic surgery in your first three years everything's different. Every month is something else. Every month is something worth doing for a short period of time. We do stuff like Mohs surgery, anesthesiology, ENT, oral surgery, obviously a lot of the general surgery disciplines. So you get exposure to everything, which based on our field is sort of a critical thing. So I think while it's cool to do a lot of plastic surgery, I think we get enough plastic surgery the first couple of years while not missing out on seeing every little bit of medicine that we might have to interact with and interface with later on in our careers. So I'm very happy with all all those early rotations we do. And some of them are really good experiences surgically. You know, depending on who you're with for the month, you can do a lot of operating. You can do a lot of time outside the hospital. Some of those rotations are, you know, easier schedules than you would have on plastic surgery. I know I got a lot of extracurricular stuff done during my anesthesiology month. And so all of them have their own worth. It's a good thing to have, I think.
0: And what are some of the different sites that you rotate through?
1: One of the nice parts about our program is that everything is very centered. Pretty much everything happens at the main campus, Penn State Hershey Medical Campus in Hershey. We do a small number of months away from there. Three of them in your first three years as juniors are in the community. So two of those are with ENTs in the community, and one is with an oral surgery group in the community. And so it's not like you're driving too far. It's, it's all nearby. And when you're doing those, you're not also working at the main center. So it's not like you're going back and forth. So that's nice. And then one month is at Johns Hopkins at their burn center. We don't have a burn center yet. I think there's one being built along with a new hospital that's being built at Penn State. Besides that, everything is at the main center. And that's good for call too, because I know there are some programs where, you know, you can be in the emergency department taking a consult and you get called to another hospital or another emergency department for a different consult and you're driving around. Luckily, we don't have to do a lot of that. So it's very convenient.
0: And is that the same main site where there's like a children's hospital as well?
1: Yeah, exactly. That's right. You know, I don't know the right term to use, whether it's a standalone facility, a separate hospital, or what to call it. Basically, it's a separate tower that's connected uh, by the lobby. So you're not going to different places. You're driving to the same place. You can run over the children's hospital to see a consult or, or do cases there.
0: And are there any independent residents or fellows?
1: No, we don't have any fellows or independent residents. There's been always talk about that because I know we have a volume for a hand surgery fellowship since I think they've been talking about starting a program, a hand surgery program for a fellowship along with the orthopedic surgeons and then a craniofacial fellowship. But we haven't actually done any of those, which is nice because, you know, it, it gives us the opportunity to not have cases taken from us and just operate with the attendings on our own. So that's nice.
0: You touched a little bit on how you don't have to run to different places for call, but can you go through how call is set up across the different years?
1: It's actually pretty straightforward. The, the juniors are, are years one through three, and the seniors are year uh, four through six. There's always a senior resident on call. Most of the time, they have a junior with them, and most of the time, that junior is a junior plastic surgery resident. We have a lot of off-service residents who come and join us to, just to get plastic surgery experience. And so those are our our ortho uh, residents, usually the interns. There's a a nearby program, UPMC Pinnacle, that has an orthopedics residency, and their interns come and join us for a month each. Our vascular surgery residents, I think first and second year, come and join us for a month each. So we get a lot of off-service junior residents who come, and they'll share a little bit of call, and they get a good experience on our service, and that's why they keep coming. They'll sort of join in the junior call pool. So effectively, you've got one junior and one senior on almost all the time. And most of the time the senior is seeing everything. And then if and when you need to, you can get a hold of the attending. But most of the time we're taking care of everything as as the senior resident.
0: Is hand or face call split amongst different specialties?
1: Yeah, it is. It's split, I would say it's nicely split, but sometimes that might not be the case. You know, there are nights where everything gets a little too busy. But hand surgery is split by day with orthopedics. So we do odd days, they do even days and then face call is split by month with ENT. There's no oral surgery program, so there's no oral surgery program to split face call with. And so face call is basically us and ENT. And so those months when we're on face call and then you're on hand every other day, those those particular days can be busy, but for the most part, it's fairly well spread out.
0: Are you in-house when you take call or home call?
1: It's all home call. You know, there are nights where you're there most of the time, but, uh, you know, you do have the option of going home. And all of us live close enough so that we're able to come in and out fairly quickly.
0: And what's the mid-level support like?
1: It's good on an outpatient basis. We have really good PAs and NPs who work in clinic, and we'll see post-ops, we'll see stuff that we see in the emergency department and just want to say, this patient should maybe get a wound check, and they can follow up with our NPE or PA. Inpatient, we don't have uh, mid-levels, but with the amount of junior residents that we have rotating, you know, on service, like I was saying, that ends up being okay. We have enough hands to get the work done.
0: And are there any opportunities for electives, either ones you can choose within your institution or ones you can go away for?
1: Yeah, I don't recall from when I was interviewing a programs, how much of this other programs do. But I think a particular strength of ours is that we have a month that you can take fifth year and sixth year, you get a month each year. And you can basically do with it what you want, as long as the program director f- agrees with you that it's you know, worth doing and, and will actually contribute to your career. So we've had people do interesting things. We've had someone who went into cosmetic surgery, went to Brazil and spent a month there with a cosmetic surgeon there. We've had people go do global surgery trips. We've had people stay and just finish up whatever research they've put on the back burner for a couple of years. So you, you can do a lot with it. And that's, that's kind of nice. I know I'm looking forward to mine.
0: Speaking of like kind of the global experiences, are there any regularly planned, you know, annual trips, obviously not in COVID times that your program tends to do? Yeah,
1: there isn't a specific trip, but we do have a very good relationship with the Operation Smile group. Our previous chief, Dr. Makai, who, you know, we still work with, he was very involved with Operation Smile. And so because of that, I, I think we have a nice relationship with them and we're able to go and do trips. I think most of our residents will at some point do a trip with Op Smile because of that.
0: Do residents sometimes do like a shorter, you know, one to two week trip and then some other residents choose to do like a full month?
1: Yeah, exactly. Most people will do if you're going with op smile, those kind of trips I think tend to be one week. And so most people will do that or two weeks. And then yeah, if you're if you're doing a month for your elective time, then oftentimes you're either doing that plus some research or you're setting something else
0: up. Is there any experience with gender affirmation surgery?
1: Yeah, there is. Most of it is done by Dr. Johnson. He's our our current chief of plastic surgery. He does top surgery, so we'll do facial feminization or gender reassignment and top breast surgery for it. We don't do any bottom surgery, but um, you do get exposed to everything else.
0: Tell me a bit about the research experience and expectations.
1: I particularly like the way we do research, and that's because I think everyone has a different take on it. You know, there are people who come in saying, yeah, I want to be the most productive person in the program. There are people who come in saying, I never want to do research <laughs> ever again. And that's true across the board for plastic surgery, I think. I think most of us at least have some intellectual curiosity and want to do some. So there is the expectation in our program that you do a little bit. There is a minimum requirement. So, you, you know, you won't go through your whole six years and never write an abstract. But at the same time, you can do beyond that basically what you want. If you're really interested in it, we have essentially everything. We have attendings who, you know, do clinical trials. One of our attendings, Dr. Ravnik, uh, he runs our research lab. And so he's got, you know, a lot of funding for that lab and is doing a lot of animal research and basic science research. So a lot of interesting stuff that we're luckily very easily exposed to. I know a number of us will join him for his, uh, you know, his experiments, even during our clinical years, since we don't have any dedicated research time. So you're able to do that if you want, which is nice.
0: And what kind of support's available once you're, you know, like ready to present at a conference?
1: And that's another nice thing. I mean, the uh, department will essentially pay for anything that you're going to present at if it's a podium presentation. Posters, I don't think they do pay for, but if you have podium presentation, they'll pay for the whole trip, which is really great.
0: Do you know if there's any limitations on that generosity?
1: I don't know. I haven't pushed them enough. Maybe I should.
0: How would you say your program does in terms of like managing resident graduated autonomy?
1: I think that uh, every attending is a little different. Our program in general does it pretty well. I would say that there's never a time where I'm in the operating room and, and think that I'm out there on my own with no help. And there are very few rare times where you know, I think, okay, maybe I should be doing more here. So in general, it's, it is very fair and very reasonably done. And obviously, the graduated autonomy depends a little bit on yourself too. So what you're capable of doing and what you've demonstrated you can do our attendings will, you know, will let us do it within reason. And then ER call too, like I was saying, there's always a, a senior resident on call. And so by the time you are a senior, because you've taken so much call as a junior, you're comfortable doing most things in the emergency department. And so we get a lot of experience even down there.
0: Are there any particularly awesome perks you'd like to share? So sometimes people talk about things like food or loops or labs or courses or Peloton in the resident lounge, whatever.
1: We don't have a Peloton yet. Maybe I can petition Dr. Johnson for that. Yeah, we actually, I think, have all of that. We get a food stipend, which is fairly generous. We get loops our intern year. I don't even, I'm not even really sure how the loops get paid for. I, I know that when I was an intern sometime in, in my second month, I had an email from a, a loops rep saying, hey, you should come and get your loops fitted. So that is nice that that kind of stuff is taken care of. There are very few things where I'm wondering, you know, why am I doing this on my own without program support? So it's really nice.
0: And what area of plastic surgery would you say residents come out with the strongest experience in?
1: That's a good question. Well, I should, maybe I'll start by saying that we have residents who go into and do fellowships in everything. And I think it comes in waves a little bit. We'll have like a wave where a couple of residents in a row will go into hand surgery, a couple of residents in a row will go into microsurgery. And so, yeah, we have residents who go into everything. So we're obviously exposed to everything I think that you can basically come out and do anything, or our residents will feel comfortable doing anything. Obviously, to go and do an academic job, most people will end up doing a fellowship, and that's sort of the nature of the field rather than the program. But I think you get a lot of experience in all of it. I particularly like our hand surgery experience, and I think it's a little unique. The way we do our hand surgery call is that the attending call is separate from the uh, resident call. And so we can be plastic surgery residents on call with an orthopedics attending, and vice versa. And so you end up working with many hand surgeons of both disciplines, and you kind of get to see both approaches. And so we have a good, a really good uh, hand surgery training. And our craniofacial training, I think, is a strength too. You know, We have Dr. McKay, who's well-known in his field, and Dr. Sampson, who's our program director. And they're both uh, really talented and awesome craniofacial surgeons, along with Dr. Henry, who does some very cool craniofacial surgeons, specifically stuff like a distraction osteogenesis. So it's a nice craniofacial experience too. And to add to that, actually, we have Lehigh Valley residents come and get craniofacial experience with us, as do the uh, Temple Independent Fellows. So our craniofacial surgery experience is strong enough that even those programs are coming to experience it.
0: So how would you improve your program?
1: So, you know, it, it's hard to put my finger on really any one thing that I would want to change. I think we have an awesome operative experience. I could not be happier with our attendings and and my co-residents. So all that is great. I think that like any program may have, it's always nice to get more aesthetic surgery experience. Training programs in general, I think don't get a lot of hands on with aesthetic surgery and so ours is no different.
0: Can you tell me a bit about when and where you get your aesthetic experience?
1: We get it in a couple fashions. One is that in your fifth and sixth year, you know, we'll do three months each year with private practice surgeons in the area. So I haven't done that yet. So maybe I'll change my tune in a year or two. But I know that none of our residents really come, come out after those six months in total, like searching and digging for numbers. So we obviously get enough. That's one avenue by which we get aesthetic surgery training. The other is that we have a standalone cosmetic center. And that's sort of jointly run with ENT and dermatology, and we'll go there throughout the course of our residency. It's it's a newish center, I think, a couple of years old now, and so we'll we'll go there, you know, as juniors and seniors for clinic, and small, they have some small procedure rooms. You do get to see and do enough, and then actually another nice thing we've been doing the last couple of years is a, a resident injection clinic, so you can you know start getting comfortable with Botox and filler injections as early as your intern year.
0: With that aesthetic center, will you spend a whole month over there, or it's more like interspersed when you're on different rotations?
1: It's interspersed while you're on your plastics rotations. Our attendings will hold clinic there. You know, you do go a little bit with the dermatologist when you do your most surgery rotation, but mostly you'll go there with our attendings for plastics cosmetic clinic for their small procedures.
0: And is there a senior clinic where residents can book their own cases?
1: Yeah, there is. So, in addition to being able to do injections there at you know at any point, the chief residents have their own clinic and can book surgeries. I think there's some sort of program where the patients will be able to book their surgery for no surgeon's fee or something like that. I think a lot of programs do that, and so that gives them some incentive. And yes, yeah, so our, our chief residents can do that. You can have patients, and you can offer whatever surgeries you want to those patients.
0: Do you know if that's like throughout all twelve months of the chief here, or a subset?
1: They're very receptive to us doing whatever uh, we would like to do for our training, for the patients. That's a reasonable thing to do and that our attendees are comfortable with. So I think that at any point, if you have a patient who wants something done and you want to offer that to them, our clinic's really, really receptive to doing that, especially with that new cosmetic uh, surgery setup. It's a nice thing. I, I know I'm looking forward to being able to do that.
0: Now to transition, I'd love to hear about your chief and your PD and kind of like their leadership styles.
1: They have very different leadership styles, all of them. And I say all because Dr. McKay I mentioned earlier, he's not our chief anymore. He was for many years. He's now the chair of the Department of Surgery and Dr. Johnson's our chief. Dr. McKay is really awesome to like know and work with. And, I, you know, I think it's a, a privilege for us to be able to operate with him. He has a very unique leadership style. He's kind of a commanding presence. I think he's currently the the president of AAPS, the Association of Plastic Surgery, and so he has you know the, the stature that comes with that. So it's awesome to to be able to work with him and even get to know him on a personal level. So that's cool. Dr. Johnson is our uh, chief of plastic surgery now, and he is he has a completely different practice from Dr. Mackay, or definitely a different leadership style too he does have kind of that same effect where you, you can be in the operating room with him and realize halfway through a case, I'll find myself thinking, you know, I just want to be as good <laughs> and talented as he is one day. So, you know, I think that can be said for either of them. So that's pretty cool. Dr. Sampson is our program director. You know, all that had sort of changed in the last couple of years when Dr. McKay became the chair of surgery. All of it got shuffled around. So Dr. Sampson is um, relatively new as our program director. And he's really involved with us which is great he trained in our program and so because of that as a style and an involvement that's appropriate for that and he basically will be open to hearing anything that we you know we bring to him so if we don't like a certain rotation he'll get rid of it he also serves in a a lot of leadership roles across the hospital and so if if there's a certain thing going on with a certain form of consult or a, a certain service He's pretty adept at getting that on other people's radar, too. Uh, Dr. Ingram's our assistant program director, and he's probably one of my favorite people to operate with. He's a very um, easy person to talk to. He does a humanities course for the med students. And so the, the same sort of personality that it takes to have a humanities course with the med students where you can talk about interpersonal relationships, uh, doctor-patient relationships, that kind of stuff. He brings that same style to, to working with us, which is unique, I think.
0: Do you have any specific examples of times when like you or another resident brought up a concern and how they responded to it?
1: Yeah, there was a general surgery rotation that we did in our second year, actually at the nearby community hospital that myself and my co-resident, we did as second years. And, you know, at the end of the year, when we had our end of year meetings and, and, and discussions with the program directors, we both felt like it wasn't all that valuable of a rotation. The following year, it was no longer there. So I think that kind of shows how receptive they are to us.
0: And what kind of a role do residents play in department decision-making when it comes to choosing new residents or when they considering a new faculty hire?
1: You know, we haven't hired a, fa- a new faculty as long as I've been here in the last three and a half years. I know that we are in the process of potentially hiring a microsurgeon. I don't know how involved we've been in that, but as far as a new residents, the uh, incoming chief residents each year will have their own interview room and we'll have a seat at the table when we're ranking. I think that's probably the case with most programs. I think it should be the case with most programs. They will take our opinions because the, the, the remainder of the res- residents will spend the day or this year, you know, we'll spend the Zoom day uh, with uh, the applicants. We'll sort of channel our opinions to the incoming chief residents who will then have their own vote, basically, when the ranking comes around.
0: Can you describe the relationships and the culture amongst the residents?
1: Yeah. You know, I think that it's probably, after everything we've talked about, hands down the biggest strength of our program in that we all get along probably way too well. We have uh, certain residents who like throwing surprise birthday parties, so every resident When it's their birthday, we'll have some, you know, some sort of surprise or, you know, we'll have a party or, you know, we'll go out to dinner. We spend a lot of time with each other and we spend a lot of time with each other inside and outside the hospital, even with each other's families. So it's a huge strength of our program. And part of it is that we, I think, favor personality fit when we're doing our interview decision making, doing our interviews. And then also when residents come and rotate with us. I think that a fair number of us who are here have rotated here or were med students here. And because of that, we're ensured that we were a good fit.
0: And what are some of the qualities, you would say, of someone who fits?
1: It's interesting. We're all very different. You know, I'm from New York. I'm from a big city. We have people from California. We have people from Texas. We have people with two kids and two dogs. (laughs) We have people who are entirely single. And I think that, you know, that's interesting that all of us get along so well. I don't know what it is that brings us together like that. But none of us are particularly like work obsessed. You know, we all have personalities and have interests outside of work. We have people who are historians, people who are musicians, people who are, you know, English majors back in college. So I think everyone has their own interests and their own sort of little lives outside of plastic surgery. And that's what makes us pretty affable and like easy to get along with each other.
0: So now a little bit more about the logistics of how residents live. So do most own or rent?
1: That too is a mix. I think every answer that I'll probably give you from here on out is that it's like totally mixed, which is probably good. We have people who rent, I rent, I just don't want to deal with you know the responsibilities of a house, and I don't necessarily need a house. There like I said, are people in our program who have kids and dogs and want a yard, and the cost of living is reasonable enough that you you can own a pretty big house in a nice place, and some of our residents do that.
0: Where do residents live in relation to the hospital in the main center?
1: Hershey's sort of an interesting place. It's a a really nice town. Nearby is Harrisburg and then nearby is Lancaster, both of which are sort of smaller Pennsylvania cities. And so if you wanna live in a city, you can, and, and I do, and then other people will live in the suburbs around the hospital. So you can kind of have a, a choice as far as that goes. There are townhouses, there are apartment buildings, and then, like I said, there are communities with, with houses and yards and all that that people can live in.
0: So do you not live in Hershey? Do you live in one of the other cities?
1: Yeah, exactly. You can live in Harrisburg pretty easily and get back and forth.
0: And same with the other city as well, Lancaster?
1: Lancaster's kind of tougher because of the home call. There are people in other programs who might live there. It might be doable, but I don't know anyone who's tried yet.
0: <clears throat> so is it necessary to have a car?
1: Yeah, definitely. There's really not much that's walkable around there.
0: How far away do residents usually live from the medical center?
1: I think all of us, because of the home call situation, all of us live probably within 15 minutes of the the medical center. And Harrisburg is within that. And like I said, Harrisburg is a small city, so you can live in a city and do that. And then most of the housing communities and neighborhoods and stuff that are nearby that have nice homes for, for our residents and even some of our attendings, those are all reasonably within 15 minutes.
0: I know you mentioned that there are some residents that have kids and have families. How do you feel like your program has supported residents who want to have a family during residency?
1: Really well. I don't think there's ever been an issue. One of our current fifth years just had his first kid. He's taking care of her. I, I, don't, I don't think he's having any issues with not being able to spend enough time with her. I'm sure that, you know, if he could, he'd be home all the time with her, but. You know, as far as reasonably goes with our job, I, I think that our program does a lot to to make sure that we are having very stable and, and good personal lives.
0: You mentioned the cost of living, but what else do you like about living in the Hershey, Harrisburg kind of area?
1: So I think I mentioned, you know, I'm, I'm from New York and I'd probably be the last person you would expect to really love Hershey because it's a smaller place but it has an incredible amount of benefits to it. Part of that is just the you know is being a very easy and comfortable place to live. You know, you can live in a house if you want to, you can live in Harrisburg if you want to, you can live in Lancaster, you know, if you want to stretch it. And the things to do there are pretty much endless, you know. I, I found out recently the Appalachian Trail runs light, right alongside where you know where I live. So if you're into outdoorsy stuff, that's abundant. There's stuff for kids to do. If you, know, if you do have kids, there's a park, obviously. There's everything that goes along with kind of living in a suburb and a idyllic kind of place like that. And then what I tend to do if and when I have free weekends, which is every weekend that I'm not on call, which is fairly frequent, is to basically go. Uh, New York's not far. Philadelphia isn't far. DC is not far. So you can go and, and spend a weekend in those, in those cities very easily. And so I, know I like to do that. So you pretty much have every option in the world, which, you know, is not the first thought you would have when you think of Hershey, but I've figured that out pretty quickly.
0: So I think that's pretty much everything I wanted to talk about today. Any final thoughts either on your program or on the general process of choosing a residency?
1: So, you know, choosing a program is obviously really hard. I have a cousin right now who um, is a fourth year med student applying to OB, and she just called me a day or two ago asking the same question. And I have kind of the same answer. It's, it's just hard to do. One of the biggest things is obviously fit. That's the biggest strength of our program. The other is that, you know, you have, to, you have to see where people go and what people say on the way out. And I think that we have residents who go on to do essentially anything they want to do. And so many have stayed on as faculty. So many have stayed in the area. So I think all of that is very indicative of how much they like the program and how well the program sets us up for our future careers. So I think you really gotta look at that when you're choosing.
0: And any like single best piece of advice either for a student when they're on and away or like during an interview?
1: When you're doing your interviews, the number one thing to remember is that you're in an interview. It's a job interview at the end of the day. And I remember doing, you know, my number whatever, like 10, 12, 15 interview and at that point, being on autopilot and thinking that, okay, yeah, I have these answers down. And I think you have to remember, even all the way until then, and even until the last day of your away rotation, when you're a fourth year doing your sub that you're still on an interview. So it's exhausting at the end of the day, but you have to be on your A-game until the last minute. So keep that in mind.
0: And how can interested applicants find out more about your program?
1: A couple ways. You can... Contact me anytime. You can contact any of our residents anytime. Our emails are all on the program website. If you have an easy way to put my email up, you know, feel free to do that. Our Instagram handle is Penn State underscore plastic surgery. You can get a hold of us there. If you message us, one of us will respond. Probably me. You can get a hold of our attendings easily too. Their, their emails are on there. But I think the best thing to do would, would be to just email me and, and I'll point you in whatever direction, you know, your question mandates.
0: Well, thank you so much for speaking with me today, Samir.
1: Of course. Thanks for having me.
0: Thank you for listening to the Doctority Plastic Surgery Podcast. Never miss an episode by subscribing to our show via your favorite podcast service and following us on Instagram and Twitter. For more podcast episodes and residency information, check out our website, doctority.co. That's doctority.co. We love feedback from listeners, so please contact us through the website or through social media with your questions or suggestions. See you next time.